Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Ali Moulton is a speech-language pathologist in private practice based in Northern Virginia and the D.C. area. In this episode, she talks about making the leap from part-time private practice, which she did on the side of her job, to going all in on her private practice and building it from there. I first got to know Allie when she joined one of my free beginner trainings almost two years ago to the day that we recorded this episode, which is pretty cool. And then more recently, when she joined the Grow Your Private Practice program to get help with marketing strategies, developing systems hiring, and becoming a CEO. If you're currently seeing private clients on the side and you've reached maximum capacity and are considering making the leap into full-time private practice, this episode is perfect for you. So stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place. So let's get started. All right. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Sure. I'm Allie Moulton and I'm in Northern Virginia. And the name of my practice is Allison Moulton Speech, Language and Learning. So I'm so excited to be doing this <laughs> interview with you because before we started recording, Allie and I were talking about like kind of how long it's been since you first kind of came in contact with me. So Allie, tell our listeners how long it has been <laughs> since you watched my the very first webinar you watched, watched with me. Almost two years to the day. We are off by two days. It was July 8th, 2020. So incredible. And that was my webinar for beginners, right? It was. It was. So little backstory. One of my friends who owns a private practice in Dayton, Ohio, when I decided that I was exploring this, she was like, you got to join Jenna's Facebook group, find out what's going on in there. There's so many people who share great ideas. And then I found out your intro course. And then the rest is history. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So before we talk about how you actually started your practice, take us back to kind of like the beginning of your career and what set you like starting to think about private practice. 
following grad school, I did my clinical fellowship and total of six years at Kennedy Krieger Institute in Baltimore. Loved it. And then we moved to Connecticut where we were located in Connecticut. There wasn't a hospital for like 45 minutes in each direction. So I ended up working in the schools. So switch settings. And then we moved down to Virginia and I was kind of at a point where I was like, I don't know what setting I want to work in. Like, do I go back to a hospital clinic? Do I do schools? Not really in a position to start my own private practice, having just moved here, not really knowing the area. So that was kind of where the seed was planted. And that was six going on seven years ago. So it was like in the back of my mind, but I didn't think I could do it. I ended up working in the schools and now I own my own private practice. <laughs> and you mentioned that you watched the webinar, the beginner webinar, would mm-hmm. have been July of 2020, right? So that was yep. like at the very kind of beginning part of the pandemic, right? And it was so interesting because when the pandemic started, I was like, oh my goodness, like, I just don't know if anyone's going to buy my programs anymore. Like maybe (laughs) my business is going to die. I don't know. And that's like not what happened, right? It's like the Uh pandemic started and there was so much interest in people starting their own businesses. So can you share a little bit about what that decision was like for you? Like, you know, where you were working, why did you decide to sign up and why did you decide to pursue private practice then? I think the pandemic led a lot of us to do some self-reflection on what is most important to us, what makes us feel valued, where we want to put our work and energy and time into. The pandemic was hard. It was hard for everyone working. I know I can only see it through the lens of an SLP working mom. And it was, it was very, very difficult. We're kind of an anomaly in schools. Like we're, we've got one foot in healthcare and we've got one foot in education and the two systems don't necessarily, sometimes ever, but don't necessarily align. And I think SLP is, I don't think we've heard a lot about it, but I think SLPs were asked to do a lot more than what people know in terms of delivering service because the rules and regulations about our job didn't change. So we needed to still deliver service almost as if it wasn't the pandemic, it was virtual, but almost as if it wasn't the pandemic and people in our profession, not as many as now, but we're doing teletherapy. So it was a thing and it was a thing we could do. So it was just a very difficult spring. And it kind of led me to start thinking, is this a setting I want to stay in or do I want to take a leap? And that's when I was on a FaceTime call with four girlfriends. Three of them had gone to grad school together, but we all worked and lived together in Baltimore, first starting out as SLPs. And one of them owns a private practice and started picking her brain. (laughs) What's it like? How do you start? What's your advice? Where do I start? And so that's where I started kind of exploring more and then discovered your Facebook group through her, took your course. That's one of the things that happens, right? Is like people start thinking like, listen, I'm not really happy in this setting. This happened, you know, before the pandemic too, right? Where people are just feeling like, listen, I'm kind of heading toward burnout. A lot of people think that, you know, air quotes, one day they'll start a private practice. (laughs) right? When they're, you know, decades into the field or whatever, but then all of a sudden people are like younger and they're like, you know what? I think I could actually do this now. And sometimes people have a friend that they can ask, but a lot of times people don't. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons 
why like my Facebook group, the SLP and OT private practice beginners group has been such an invaluable resource for people because there's just no communities where people are talking about it. And I think this needs to be talked about and I'm happy to, to host a community where people are talking about it. I absolutely agree. It was the first time I saw people bounce ideas off one another on what their experiences were like, how they started, how to navigate through trickier situations or easy situations. Everyone was just kind of collaborating together. And I think that was also a big piece was I saw a lot of people collaborating. And I think what you hear about a lot for private practice is everyone competing. And so it's intimidating. But then when you're in this community where you see everyone collaborating together and working together, kind of relax, you just, you know, sigh, like, okay, maybe I can do this too. Totally. During that time, you made the decision that you were going to start to get your ducks in a row, think about private practice. You joined my program. What did those first couple months look like in terms of you like getting started? It was slow. And I don't know if that's for everyone, but for me, it was slow. I think one, I was balancing a full-time job at the same time. So I wanted all my ducks to be in a row in terms of the legal aspects of it. So I did hire a small business lawyer so he could review everything that I was putting together website. I had purchased your forms, which were, and still are an invaluable resource. It gave me a platform to kind of leap from when I was putting together my forms and then submitting them to my lawyer, you know, for him to approve. So forms, getting my website together and hadn't really delved into the social media part of it just yet, but kind of putting those backbones into it. And the lawyer stuff took a while and registering that PLLC, figuring out like what Virginia required and how all the licensure lined up because I'm also licensed in DC. So did I need to do something special for them? You know, just navigating through local rules and regulations, state rules and regulations. (laughs) So making sure all those ducks were in a row that took time on top of a full-time job. So, and that's how most people get started, or at least that's how I teach people to get started is side, because I really believe that that is the best way to get started, right? It's like you put your toe in the water, make sure you like private practice, start to build that load, build that confidence, build some income. And then at some point, people either can stay that way, right? You can either keep your private practice on the side, or you can decide whether to, you know, take the leap and go all in on your private practice. So tell people a little bit about what that decision was like for you and kind of how long that took? So I officially launched in February, 2021, and I was seeing clients on the side. And then by May, because when you're in a school, you have to figure out what your schedule is going to be like for the next entire school year. By May, June, I had to figure out if I was ready to you know, spend more time on my private practice, less time at school. And I was, I decreased my week by about a, by a day. So it was four days a week in school. And That was because I had an amazing admin team and I didn't want to leave my school. And if I decreased any further, I was probably going to have to switch schools. That was another surprise for me. It was how supportive my school admin team was of my decision to start a private practice. That was not something that I was expecting. Not that I would ever expect people to not be supportive of career choices, but you know, you choosing to do something outside of where you work for them, you might not always get that amount of support. And it did. So that was amazing. So I decreased to four days a week for 
school. And then I was spending more time on my private practice, which was amazing. And I did that throughout the uh, past school year. Then I had to decide what I was going to do next. So my practice was growing. There was only so much room in the week to put all of the clients that I was getting. And so I decided to take the leap because I knew that if I decreased further, I would probably not be at the school that I loved. And I also didn't want to have to calculate out another whole year of kind of having what felt like stunted growth because I would only have so much time to give for my private practice. And then part of me would still be devoted to schools. And I also couldn't do a piece of my private practice if I was still working for the schools because um, I couldn't do IEP consultation and advocacy if I was working for a school district. And that's one of those things that a lot of people kind of talk about is this like kind of straddling and like kind of being like in two different worlds. Yeah, That's like hard, right? I think it's harder for people than they think. It like seems like a good idea and it is how a lot of people do it at first, but then at some point it becomes really, really tricky. Yeah. And I think that's also because there are so many rules and regulations that SLPs need to follow. So like, obviously you can't see your own students and would never (laughs) see your own students while being in a private practice, but those are the people that know you the best. And so, you know, that you kind of feel like, okay, well, do I stay in the school? Do I take the leap to go private? And then you have to think about what services you want to offer as a private practitioner. And if you can still do that while staying in the school's or not, because again, it's like that clinical educational model. We have one foot in in each and it gets a little tricky sometimes. Yeah, totally. And that's the point where you just have to make some decisions, right? And it's so great that that you had that level of support, right? Which like, you know, some people do, some people don't, but no matter what, Like you just need to make that decision. Like, am I going to like, no matter what happens, go all in on myself. And I'm so proud of you for, for doing that. (laughs) Thank you. It's tricky. So, okay. So what does your private practice look like these days? So I'm a mobile practice right now. So I'm doing home visits for evaluations, for therapy sessions. I have 19 clients and I'm scheduling new evaluations as well, which is exciting. So each day kind of looks different depending on what what day it is and what profile clients I'm seeing and how many. And everyone's schedule is kind of changing. I feel like weekly right now because it's the summer and there are so many camps and vacations and stuff. But that's what it looks like right now is a a mobile practice um, seeing 19 kids. Love that. So what would you say is like your next like six months to a year in terms of growth? Because 19 is a really solid number of clients, right? And at some mm-hmm. point, we're going to start to be a little bit maxed out, right? So what do you think that the next six months to a year looks like for your practice? Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, it continues to grow, scheduling more. I love doing evaluations, so scheduling more evaluations and then hiring an employee to expand the practice. That would be the next step. Yep. I love that. I love that for you, right? Because you do get to a point where there's only so much that you can do. And frankly, maybe only so much that you want to do, right? Like, you know, I know Mm -hmm. like, um, like you've got like, you know, certain schedule, you want to be able to do stuff like, and that's one of the things that a lot of people really, as they start to grow, they really need to think about putting boundaries on their time. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, 
want to be like done at a certain time or start at a certain time or not work on a certain day a week, right? And so I think it's a lot easier to set those boundaries almost before you grow so that you know the time mm-hmm. and like who you're going to need to fill in those other spaces. Absolutely. <laughs> and just reminding yourself that you are in private practice for a reason. So you can set those boundaries and it's weird to have that freedom. It's not something I'm used to. So I have to remind myself a lot. You set your schedule, you set the times, you set the amount of time you can spend with your family, which is more now because you took the sleep. Exactly. I love that. What kinds of clients are you seeing in your practice and where are you getting a lot of those referrals from? So right now, my caseload is kind of a mix. A lot of speech sound production, which I absolutely love. Got the kind of early intervention, delayed language kids on my caseload who for orofacial myofunctional therapy and some students who are gestalt language processors, which is super fun to do. Um, and then IEP consultation and advocacy has been growing a little bit. So I love that too, because like you got like a couple different things going on, right? But I can mm-hmm. tell you're already kind of like, okay, these are the things that I'm liking the most. And I think one of the things that's so cool about private practice is not only can you like choose what kind of clients that you see, right. And then you market to those types of clients, right. So if someone comes to your website and they're looking for, let's say aphasia therapy, they're immediately going to be like, okay, well, this isn't, you know, the practice. (laughs) But the other thing, like you mentioned, like, you know, IEP consultations and those kind of things, like those kind of services are really in demand because parents, like they need that information. And especially if you have a background working in the schools and kind of know how to navigate things like those services are truly invaluable for the families that need them. And like, what a cool niche to be in, because as soon as people hear that, that's what you're doing. Like that's a huge thing to get like word of mouth referrals from. Yeah. And so for referrals, my first four referrals were from coworkers, which was such a pleasant surprise because I just did not expect that, not because I didn't think that they valued me or my skill set, but it just was unexpected. I didn't think that that would be my first referral source. So that was amazing. I've had people find me on Google. So that was very helpful. It was something I learned through your grow course. You know, all these novel things you don't think about as an SLP is what are Google ads? What's a Google business profile? How do people find you? We don't have that course (laughs) in grad school. So (laughs) just learning all those things or how easy it is to do a Facebook ad, how easy it is to do an Instagram post that promotes your business. So people found me that way. I did a little bit of work with Jesse Ginsburg. And so I had a family find me that way because they really wanted to find someone who'd gone through her sensory certificate program. So that's how they found me. So all kinds of sorts of different ways. I did lunch and learn with pediatric practice back in April. I got a couple of referrals from there and I'm doing another lunch and learn this week at their second location. So just, you know, forming a partnership with some local pediatric practices has been a good referral source too. Yes. And that's the kind of thing that will pay off. Like sometimes when you do lunch and learn, sometimes they pay off right away and it's like, you know, really immediate and obvious. Mm -hmm. Other times, like sometimes it takes months or even longer to get referrals, but it really about like planting those seeds and starting 
to become known in communities. And one of the things I love about what you're saying is that right now you're getting referrals from like a bunch of different places and that Mm -hmm. will help figure out like what's working and then start to kind of be like, okay, let's see, I've done some stuff on Instagram, but I'm just making this up. I don't know that this is true, but like, maybe you're like, okay, I've done some stuff on Instagram and that doesn't seem to be getting as many clients for the time that I'm spending. However, Mm -hmm. when do this strategy or that one, like that is paying off in clients. So one of the cool things about this growth phase is really trying a whole bunch of different marketing techniques and seeing which ones work because something might work for you that doesn't work for somebody else or whatever. And it really is a little bit of like a test and see approach. And then you kind of know what to like start to go all in more. Absolutely. And also talking to people in the community or the parents, uh, I, you know, I always ask when someone calls, like, how did you find me? And then the parents that I work with, you know, why did you choose me? Or what is something about my practice that stood out from other ones? Because there's there's a lot of speech and language practices in Northern Virginia and DC. It's a highly populated area. I know one thing that stood out is that I'm able to come to their homes and Northern Virginia and DC, it's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of traffic. And so the fact that they don't have to pile their kids into a car and drive to a clinic has been something that they really given a lot of positive feedback about. And that's something that sets you apart, right? From other clinics that don't offer mm-hmm. that service. So I think that that's, I think that's great. We had another person who was in Grow Your Private Practice, Amanda Donaldson mm-hmm. from the podcast. And she mentioned that exact same thing, right? That having a mobile practice has really helped set her apart in another area with more practices. And so listeners, as you're thinking about, you know, I I try to be like ingraining this whole idea of like collaboration and it's not only Mm -hmm. about competing practices, but sometimes what I want you to think about is like just ways to stand out from other Mm -hmm. practices. And like, that's a way that Allie is standing out. It's a way that Amanda is standing out and it's a way that you can stand out too. Absolutely. And I think just to piggyback on the collaboration, that was something else I've been working on. So there are a number of small private practices in Northern Virginia where we have been in contact with one another and we will refer to one another if it's an area that we are not specializing in or you know, the parents want a certain day and time and, you know, one practitioner can't offer that day and time. You know, you have several people to reach out to. Do you have availability in your schedule? I'm going to send this client your way. And that has been so nice to form those relationships and be collaborating with one another on, on how to serve these kids. Because at the end of the day, it's about the kids who need us and how do we find a way to get them the services that they need. Yes, totally. Right. We're, we're in service to the kids and adults that we serve. And we just, mm-hmm. we're all naturally helping people, people, right? So it's like, how do right. we help as many people? And I think one of the things that's cool about private practice is that you can help people on a deeper level than you can in like schools and hospitals, right? So private practice to me is about going deep with clients and really like making that difference versus schools and hospitals tend to be more about going wide. And like, so that's why sometimes people feel like they may not really be making a difference because they have a caseload of 60, 70, 100 people. There's no way that you can go deep with that amount of people. It definitely allows you to do that. I have one more question, which, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about in Grow Your Private Practice is also setting up systems, right? And especially as you start to grow, setting up systems is really important 
for that growth, right? SLPs and OTs love to talk about how they hate to reinvent the wheel and yet <laughs> like really good at it. So can you give the listeners an example of how you've approached this idea of, of systems and if there's any systems that you've been able to set up in your practice? First of all, we have really good coaches in the GROW program (laughs) who have helped walk us through systems because it's such a novel concept for someone who's never had to make their, not make their own system because everyone has their own systems for how they do their job, but you've never had to make your own system that belongs to you and that you own. So I think that I'm so glad I've had coaches to help me with that. I think coming up with how my practice is going to run and what policies and procedures are important and what do I need to have in place and can I reinforce them? So those are big ones. You know, we talk about attendance policies, like that's something that you're never really in charge of when you're in a clinic setting that's not your own, a hospital or a school, someone else made those rules. You just have to follow them. I know it sounds so simple, but it's also complicated because you have to make sure that it's going to make your practice work and it's also going to benefit the client. So that kind of system, I think just all of those beginning policies and procedures, I think have been the most revolutionary to me because it helps my practice run. And then once that system is in place, I can move on to something else that I need to tackle. Intake and referrals. Like that's another system I had to, or really those are kind of two different systems I had to kind of establish, which were actually fun to establish especially the referral part when you have a a small cohort of other practitioners that you can refer to. Well, I love that because like you're going to get clients at whatever frequency you're getting clients, right? So you'll get referrals, you know, a couple a week or even sometimes a couple a day, depending on what's happening. Right. But like that, that intake process, like you're going to be having people come into your practice, like, you know, for the life of your practice. Right. So like if you're doing it differently every single time, first of all, it's (laughs) And also it's kind of disorganized and then it makes it so much harder to think about passing that off to somebody else, because at some point you're not going to be the one necessarily doing the intakes anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that starting to think about that earlier than maybe you expected or whatever is like, that's one of the things I'm most proud of with this grow program is we're getting people to think like business owners. Right. And so people without business backgrounds, are able to have successful private practices versus stressful ones. Like I don't want people to be stressed out in private practice. I want people to be successful. And systems is one of the things that really helps, you know, become successful earlier sometimes than you thought. I remember one of the first things you said in that beginning like intro course was that we all had the same person come in in grad school to present on their private practice. And you described the person that I had seen. And I know you you haven't met, well, maybe you have, but you probably haven't met them. And it was like to a T. And like, that was my intro to business was this, you know, carbon copy person that goes to all these grad school classes. And this stuff is so important and we're not afforded the opportunity in grad school to learn it. Doctors really aren't either as I've come to learn. So it's so important for us to be able to access a course, the, the courses you do have, um, especially grow, because I felt, I remember talking to you before I joined it, like I didn't know where to go with my practice and how to make it grow 
without, I wouldn't have known what to do at all. (laughs) I felt myself get stuck. And then, you know, joining the GROW program has taught me so many things. So it's been just really, really helpful. Well, and we've loved having you in it and you've made a lot of progress, right? Because, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the things like starting a business, whether it's a private practice or something else, you know, there's certain steps that you follow, right? There's certain steps that are pretty much, you know, every business does the same thing. And obviously there's ones that are unique to our industry, but there's infinite ways to grow a business. And so that's, I think the tricky part is that growth starts to happen And then people feel really overwhelmed by that in a lot of cases, and they don't know what to do. And so I think that a lot of folks who I see like in in what I call the big group, like the, the private practice beginners group, is that they just they don't feel successful because they either don't know what's working or they just feel like nothing's working, but they're working really hard. Right. So they're working hard, but they really don't have the profit or the time off to show for it. And it's really because they don't have a system in place and they don't know what to do. They don't have a strategy. They don't have a system. And so that's really what we offer in the GROW program is advice about how to grow your private practice in a way that's going to work, first of all, and is also (laughs) going to leave you stressed out. It's very helpful. (laughs) I love, well, thank you, but I love having (laughs) And I just love, uh, you know, helping fill that void for people, right? Is again, mm-hmm. something is a little bit more step-by-step growing it. There's infinite, you know, ways to do it. So before we wrap up, is there any last piece of, of advice for people who are thinking about either starting or growing their private practice? I would say the biggest thing is take the leap. It's scary, but you can see that this, like I planted the seed in my own head, five years before I took the leap. And I think it's okay because I was not ready yet during the time prior to that. But I think it can be intimidating thinking about all of these pieces and how do you run this business and and how do you get clients? And you always talk about analysis paralysis and it's a real thing. (laughs) But I think, and you know, there are a lot of us who are type A. There are a lot of us who are type B. I think the people like myself that are type A, it's terrifying to not have every single last detail in a row before you take the leap, but do it. (laughs) You feel so happy about what you're doing because you're able to specialize or not, or be a general practitioner if that is what you want to be, but you're able to do what you want to do versus someone else telling you how to be a speech pathologist, when to be a speech pathologist and where to be a speech pathologist. You get to determine that. And then you, or at least I don't want to generalize this. I can say, I feel like I can invest so much more and make so much more progress with my clients that I'm working with because I have the time to do so because I'm now able to control that part of my job. And I see the growth and I love making those connections with families. And I missed being able to collaborate with pediatricians. And that was something that I did for the first six years of my career. And because I left the hospital outpatient clinic setting, I couldn't do that anymore, but now I can. And I think it's so important and it's something that I love doing. So I'm able to do these things that I used to be able to do and love to do, I'm able to do them again and kind of pick up where I left off. When you're creating something that you love, right? Like I think that Mm -hmm. that's 
beautiful things about private practices that you can create a job that is just what you want, right? You can create literally the clients that you see, the interactions that you have with parents or pediatricians, right? Hours that you want to work, right? Like you are literally in control of all of those things. And that's one of the main things that's lacking for many SLPs and and OTs too, is that feeling of control. Right. So taking back that control of of your schedule, of your finances, of time with your family, all of that is so important. And that's why I do this, y'all, is because I want you <laughs> to have more of that. Right. Like I think that SLPs and OTs are the best people. And I just want more for us as individuals, as a profession, and everything, because we give so much. And I also want to make sure that we are, you know getting the value out of it so we can stay in this profession so we don't burn out and well better (laughs) perfect well thank you so much for being on the show for sharing your story for coming into this private practice world and i'm so happy that you had that discussion with your friend that pointed you to the facebook group and it's just pretty incredible to think that two years after you and I first interacted, here you are on the show. So listeners, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking like, oh my gosh, I could never be on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast, you absolutely can. So go out there, do your work or whatever, and, and let me know because I love having guests on the show who just share their journeys and show people what's possible. So thank you, Allie, for being on tonight and for telling our listeners what has been possible for you and therefore what's possible for them too. Thank you, Jenna. Okay. Isn't Allie impressive? She has quite a lot of amazing clinical experience, and I'm so glad that she finally decided to take her expertise and what she loved from previous work settings and created her own private practice. Allie's story of the transition from part-time private practice to full-time private practice is a very familiar one. It can be a tough decision, which is why so many people put it off and put it off, and then they reach a breaking point. Straddling two worlds is difficult, and at some point, you need to decide what you're going to do. Stay small or grow your private practice. The Grow Your Private Practice program was literally designed to help SLPs and OTs go all in on their private practices. And Allie is a wonderful example of someone who has taken what she's learned and the support from the coaches and has truly flourished. If listening to Allie's interview inspired you to get help in the growth phase of your private practice journey, we would love to support you. Head on over to growyourprivatepractice.com to learn more. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. While this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.